Hello brothers, this is Didact and this is Domain Query, Wife Hunting Post-Plandemic. Uh, this is literally taken from a uh, rather long email that I got from Randall E6, long-time reader in front of the site. And uh, first and foremost, I should say a very warm welcome to all of my long-time listeners for your patience and for enduring as long as you do between episodes. I assure you, I, uh, it's not just pure laziness that stops me from making these things, but uh, I'm on the road at the moment, so uh, it's, it's actually easier to find time to record these, believe it or not, because I'm in a town where you, there's literally nothing to do other than go for walks and then go down to the hotel restaurant to eat. Uh, but very warm welcome to my longtime readers as well, and uh, if you have not already subscribed either to the podcast or to the site, please make sure you do so. Please make sure to like, comment, share, and subscribe. Uh, check out some of the affiliate links on the website and in the links below. It helps support what I do if you enjoy it. Um, I do need to start looking into setting up like a buy me a coffee thing, which seems to be a non-retarded, non-woke way of... Uh, supporting websites like mine, although who knows at this point, but um, basically the the inspiration for this domain query comes from, again, a very long email, uh, and I'm not even sure there's a question in here, but I'll do my best to try to understand uh, what I am being asked. So let me just uh, read the whole thing, and we'll try to puzzle our way through it. Uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not putting down Randall E6. It's actually a very, very good question, um, or a very good set of points. Uh, he makes a lot of excellent points here. It's just, uh, there is a lot to digest. So, let's get started. Uh, right, from Randall E6, Breaking with my established pattern of geopolitical queries, I present something that may be haunting the majority of the readership. Uh, wife hunting post-plandemic. Simply put, many of us Western escapees understand two things. Uh, first, we must get out of the West and never return. Secondly, we must find wives abroad. Western women, in parentheses, at this point can only be made serviceable by slavery. And I mean this literally. Uh, close parentheses. The pandemic has complicated this matter enormously thanks to genocide in a syringe. Southeast Asia, for example, may be completely wrecked if the jab numbers concerning it are accurate. Given that this was the number one place for Westerners wife-hunting safaris, this means two things. Either we have to re abandon the region entirely, or we have to have some way of reliably separating the wheat from the chaff. I have no clue about how to do the latter efficiently, in parentheses, and reliably, as the truth comes to light, women will start lying, as usual, close parentheses. As for the second problem, it is the same with a twist. How do we accurately sort through the noise of the statistics? All I can reliably make out from the mainstream headlines is the following. Eastern Europe, we will include Russia in this grouping, and Africa in general seem to be the least vaxxed populations worldwide. Meanwhile, the West, outside of the USA, the benefits of a third of our population being conspiracy theorists, is uh, effed. The Middle East proper, excluding North Africa, is very middle of the road as a whole. South America is aping North America to its detriment, and Central Asia is also middle of the road. All of this is further modeled by two things. Questionable statistics from questionable sources. Let us hope they are deliberately cherry-picking their data to inflate things, and the not-vaccines administered. 
If I were a betting man, I would wager the Chinese and Russian vaccines are less harmful than their Western equivalents. This is admittedly a low bar to beat, the aforementioned companies besting it simply by not being a bunch of depopulationists dredged from the asshole of Satan. I like that. That's a, that's a good way to put it. This leaves one us in one final pickle, the matter of the new hunting grounds. Eastern Europe, while not new to us Americans, isn't a good choice from what I've seen here in America. This is admittedly based on a sample size of one, but it wasn't good. The woman is literally named Natasha, I forget if she is Russian or Ukrainian, and upon receiving her green card, promptly divorced her rube and proceeded to shack up with a 20-year-old Arab toy boy. Uh, boy toy. Um, the next most viable area would be the Caucasus countries of Armenia, Azerbaijan, and Georgia. This region is so remote and so obscure that it's hard to gauge it. All I can surmise is that these countries are a better choice than the others I will list here. Central Asia suffers from the same problem as the Caucasus. There just isn't enough experience of the region online to make anything remotely resembling an assessment of the landscape. Next up is the Middle East. Needless to say, I do not fancy this option one bit, given my secular-ish instincts at this point. I ain't sure about the existence of gods. The existence of devils and demons, on the other hand, I can believe that. For someone religious, this could prove to be a more profitable expedition. Let's not pretend that Arab Christians, particularly the Palestinian and Egyptian varieties, like living under the Jewish and Muslim boot, respectively. Finally, we arrive at Africa. For the record, I will note the following. I will only consider North Africa here. Having seen the barbarism and evil that is inherent to the Negro race here in North America, I will never stain my bloodline with their filth. With that out of the way, onto the question of North Africa. North Africa strikes me as being a less extreme version of the Middle East, this trend truly picking up steam anywhere west of Libya, may the entire Clinton family burn in hell. Beyond this general trend of lessening craziness, the farther from Mecca you go, I don't have much more to say concerning the region. The information problems I mentioned concerning Central Asia seem to apply to this region as well. I know this one is going to be a bitch didact. This is probably the hardest domain query I have ever asked of you. I simply do not have both the first-hand experience and the mathematical background to sort out the true from the false, beyond assuming that the mainstream statistics have been fudged with regards to this problem. Okay, it is going to be a bitch to sort out because this is extremely long and a very wide-ranging set of questions. But essentially, if there is a question to be teased out of all of this, it is where do you go looking for a good wife in a world where um, people have essentially shot a uh, rather toxic and dangerous drug into their bloodstreams? And... We now know what the vax or the not vaxxers are capable of doing. Uh, I mean, if you've taken an mRNA shot, you know that that stuff shows up in uh, breast milk when it shouldn't. It shows up all over the body. It the mRNA attaches itself to the gonads, the reproductive organs. Uh, it shows up everywhere in the blood where it shouldn't, and it may well be leading to uh, potentially. We don't know for sure but may well potentially be leading to a massive spike in cancer rates around the world. Now, that's, that's not, it's, it's not as simple as that because cancers, well, cancer isn't just one thing, obviously. There are um, 
a very wide range of diseases that fall under the heading of cancer. Some of them can easily be cured, others are much harder to cure. But the main point is how do you find a good wife traveling overseas? Um, the first thing I have to say is the very premise of the question is itself questionable. And here's what I mean. Most men who haven't done it don't understand what it's like dating outside of their culture. They really don't understand what it's like dating in Eastern Europe or Latin America or Southeast Asia or anywhere else for that matter, where the culture is fundamentally very different from what you experience at home. Now, I'm not saying Randall E6 is like that. I have no idea. Uh, I'm, I'm making a general statement based on, well, several decades of observation uh, and first-hand personal experience. I can tell you personally, dating Eastern European women is very, very difficult, uh, especially if you come from a Western European or American culture, especially if you come from an American culture. The way Eastern Europeans think is very different from the way Americans think. It's very different from the way British people think. Uh, very different from the way most continental Europeans think and act. Uh, Eastern European women, whether Ukrainian, I mean like Russian-Ukrainian or Russian-Russian, um, are very demanding. I mean, they're very sweet and kind and loving, caring, wonderful women. And really, they're, they're, in my opinion, they're the best women on earth. But they are very difficult and very demanding, very emotional. Uh, they're like redheads. They're, they're as crazy as redheads, but a lot more intelligent. And um, that combination of craziness and intelligence makes them very dangerous. They are also, as I said, highly demanding and very difficult. Uh, you can't get away with uh, the same sorts of things with Eastern European women that you can with um, Western women. You, just, you, you can't do it. They will never split the bill with you, ever. Uh, they will never fall for this whole nonsense of equality the way Western women do. They are very strong and independent in their own right, in the sense that many Russian women have their own careers and maintain their own lives and are very happy to do so. But when they're in a relationship with a man, they expect the man to make the big decisions. Uh, and the Russian philosophy of life is what's yours is... What's mine is mine, and what's yours is negotiable. Or, to put it another way, from a Russian woman's perspective, what's mine is mine, and what's yours is ours. And that's really how they think. I mean, I'm not making this up. This is literally the Russian woman's thought pattern. Whether you like it or not, that's the truth. Uh, if you look at Southeast Asian women, yes, again, very feminine, very sweet, very kind, but... Um, how do I put this? It's not that they're stupid, because they're not, not at all. I'm not saying they're unintelligent. I'm, it's, it's that their modes of thinking revolve around things that would not interest most Western men. And what you tend to find is, you know, women criticize, Western women criticize passport bros, as they disparagingly call them for running off to, you know, darkest Asia to, to find 
dumb, stupid, compliant brides to bring back to the West. Well, no, they're not dumb or stupid. They're, they're actually very intelligent and very kind, very loving, but they act that way in the culture they're in. And this is a very important truth to understand about women in general. Roosh put it best many years ago when he was still into the pickup artist thing and he was still doing his, you know, his going out and uh, picking up random girls in various cultures. And he did it well. And he said, a woman is like water. She takes the shape of the container she fills. And that's true. That's just, it's a fact. It takes a very strong and very mature woman to maintain her built-in values in an environment when where the overall society rewards her for going against them. It's very, very difficult to find a woman who can maintain those core family values in an environment where general sluttiness and promiscuity and bad decisions are not only encouraged but rewarded, as is the case in the West. So what you often find, far too often, is... And I've seen this myself. I mean, I can, I can name multiple cases of people that I knew uh, growing up or family friends of ours that I saw in the expat community in various countries who went overseas. You know, they were stationed overseas in like you had white guys from America stationed in Singapore or in the Philippines or in Indonesia or Thailand or wherever. And obviously they're um, they're on their own, they're young, they're single, they're, they've got money to burn. I mean, an expat lifestyle in... When I was growing up, an expat lifestyle was an extremely fancy lifestyle. Like an expat package was... It was a dream come true for a lot of people. Uh, you could make bank on an expat package. And they would end up in these places and date local girls and get married to them. And life was good for a while. And then they take those local girls from you know, Manila or Jakarta or uh, Surabaya or Bangkok or Pattaya or you know, wherever. I mean, you name the city in Southeast Asia, Ho Chi Minh City, uh, Hanoi, etc. Back to, you know, Columbus, Ohio or Houston, Texas or New York City, God help you. And those marriages would fall apart. Um, why? Because those women would get cash and prizes for divorcing their husbands and would, would really uh, be encouraged to do so by the system and the, the country they're in. So all of this is to tell you and to point out to you that if you're going to go wife hunting overseas, be prepared to understand you're going to get your heart broken a lot and it's going to be very difficult and very painful and very unpleasant. And you're going to end up living in the culture, whether you like it or not, that your future wife is from. And when you do that, you're going to give up tremendous power. You're going to give up a lot of your identity. You're going to give up much of what defines you as a man. And you're going to give up your support system. Uh, everything that helped you become who you are. I assure you, most men can't do it. I mean, I am much less rooted 
than most. Uh, I grew up in, oh, I don't know, four different countries. Uh, I didn't really have a place to call home until I was well into my 20s. Now that I'm well into my 30s, you know, the country that I supposedly call home isn't really my home. But where I live right now isn't exactly home either. So I don't really have a particularly rooted existence. It's, as a result, much easier for me to live out of a suitcase for a year or two, as I have done, than it is for most men. It is much easier for me to slip into another culture and kind of fit in, speaking the local language, eating the local food, uh, adopting some of the local customs than it is for most men. And I assure you, even with my inherent advantages in doing these things, it is much, much, much harder for me to dwell in those cultures than it is for me to dwell in, let's say, the US or the UK or an English-speaking westernized culture. So keep these things in mind before you go wife hunting overseas. Now, onto the actual data and the analyses. Well, it is true that if you look at uh, vaccine rates, vaccination rates for the not-vax, the, the death jab, uh, Southeast Asia is screwed, and large parts of Central and Eastern Europe are screwed too. If you look at, for example, total fertility rates, we've all seen the news stories. Hungary's TFR has plummeted, and it was never particularly high to begin with. I mean, the Hungarian government has been rewarding um, kind of natalist policies for a while now, and has done well with them. Poland as well has seen a drop in its TFR. Russia, interestingly, has been stable and has done well, actually. Their TFR has dipped slightly. Uh, the Russians are actually looking to double the size of their population by, uh, I think it was 2050 or something. I don't know how they're going to manage to do that. I mean, they only have 150 million people in the entire country, and it's a country that's like three times the size of the USA, which has two and a half times the population. So I, I really don't know how they're going to manage that. But they are trying. I mean, they've they've doubled, more than doubled, I think, um, uh, pro-natalist benefits. So the Russians really want their population to grow, and they are doing so at the same time as they are keeping one of the tightest and most stringent immigration regimes in the world. I mean, in the world. I think one of the few countries that... There are very few countries that have a tougher immigration regime than they do. Japan is one of them. Uh, the Japanese just... I mean, they're famously anti-immigrant. They don't let other people into their culture. And, you know, and hey, that's, that's their policy. Let, let them do as they see fit. But um, it is very difficult to marry a Russian, and it is very, very difficult to move to Russia. Uh, it's very easy to marry a Russian outside of Russia and have her, you know, kind of in the West. But then if you do that, be aware. I mean, go into it with your eyes open. That that had better be a damn good woman and a very strong one uh, who knows and understands who she is and isn't going to do stupid things and is, you know, has, has a proven record of loyalty. And even then, you can't, you can't guarantee it. I mean, Russian women can be quite difficult and quite dangerous. Um, I've known Ukrainian girls who, uh, you know, seemed like they were really kind and loving and decent and ended up kind of just being in it for the green card. I've also known Ukrainian women, you know, by contrast, 
who um, seemed like they were in just in it for the green card, but ended up staying married to the guys that they were with and having multiple kids and generally being pretty happy, actually, living in the States. But if you take an Eastern European woman from an Eastern European culture and transplant her into the United States, it's going to be a wrenching shock. Most people who have not been to Russia do not understand how developed and how advanced and how sophisticated the Russian culture is. And they don't understand how astonishing their cities are, how clean, well-lit, well-organized, efficient, well-maintained, well-run those cities are. They don't understand these things, and as such, they don't understand what they're dealing with when they try to spend time with a woman like that. Um, As for vaccination rates, okay, you can't go by the official vaccination rates in Eastern Europe. Uh, I know firsthand that in Russia, uh, a lot of people paid uh, essentially about 8,000 rubles, which at the time was like $90, something like that, uh, maybe a bit more, for a fake vaccination certificate. Not, not joking about that. Now, this actually happened. I mean, I saw it. I saw the actual vaccination certificate that uh, people got issued. And you'd go online, you'd find like a black market dealer and on Telegram or something who would agree to hook you up and write a fake vax certificate for you. And that's exactly what, what they did. I mean, they, they literally, um, this, uh, this was uh, really kind of, um, they really sort of made it very uh, clear that as a population, they would not get vaxxed. They wouldn't do it. They just didn't want to do it. And the Russian government didn't make it mandatory, but a lot of companies did. So they, they made it like, you must get vaccinated. You know, I think Gazprom, for example, adopted that for a while. If you want to work in the office and if you want to do your job, you have to work in the office, so you have to get vaccinated. So it was a big problem uh, for a lot of people, but they got around it. So the, the official vaccination rate, which is already quite low, is actually substantially uh, exaggerated. Uh, the vaccination rates in Southeast Asia, however, are almost certainly, I think, reasonably accurate. I mean, Singapore, I know, in Singapore, they demanded double vaccinations. Uh, you had to show vaccination status with a Pfizer or Moderna not-vax to just to get into Singapore. I know uh, of people who lived in Singapore and traveled overseas, and they had to get their vaccinations. And they were, they were proud of this crap. I mean, they were actually genuinely proud of being vaxxed. And uh, it, was, it was mad. I mean, I was just, I was really... Having lived in Singapore, I found it very depressing just how compliant and frankly stupid, a lot of the people there were. I bet some of them are kicking themselves now because Singapore already had, I think, the lowest fertility rate in the region, and I think it's gone down since then. I think it's like 1.2 children per woman um, or something like that. Really, I mean, it's really bad. The only country in the world right now that has a lower TFR is Ukraine. It's got the lowest TFR in the entire world, and, you know, with good reason. Uh... As far as the Middle East goes, well, hard to say. Again, data, the problem is trying to get data on the Middle East is very difficult. Getting accurate data is nearly impossible. Getting data of any kind is very difficult. Um, You can't really, 
I mean, look, I'm just being blunt about it. You can't really trust Arabs when, when they say things about whether they got vaccinated or they didn't or whatever. Um, they're a low trust people. Israel, we know the, the whole, po- the vaccination rate among the entire population was 80 plus percent and they're paying for it now. They are, uh, except for the ultra orthodox segment of the population. I believe they strenuously protested and largely got exemptions. Uh, the same for the Hasidic Jews in, um, in the U.S., for example. They, they flatly refused. And, and that's because the, the Hasidic Jews saw some very odd patterns with menstruation cycles in their women. And when they saw that in some small data sets, they said, basically from first-hand evidence, they said for the whole community, nope, not doing it, not permitting it, uh, you ain't getting vaxxed. So, you know, you can see kind of a pattern emerging here in some cases. The, the populations that do well are the ones that are the most closely and tightly knit, the ones that have high fecundity, the ones that have a strong belief in God, in religious principles, and the ones that are most interested in reproducing their line. And you're going to find that around the world wherever you go. These are the types of people you want to be around. These are the types of people you want to uh, emulate. But these are also the types of people who aren't going to want to let you into their community because you're not one of them. So you're kind of stuck in a dilemma. I mean, try marrying an ultra-orthodox, try marrying an orthodox or ultra-orthodox Jew uh, woman and see what happens. It's going to be fun and games trying to, trying to deal with that. Try marrying a Muslim woman. Uh, good luck because you have to convert to Islam. And as far as I'm concerned, that's a pagan death cult. So, you know, no matter what you do, you're going to have to make some compromises and make some very difficult choices. It's not going to be easy. I mean, this is not something easy or fun to deal with. It's very, very challenging. It's, um, you know, I would say you would need to, you would need to focus on kind of working through the difficulties of going to wherever it is you want to go, dealing with the local culture, and making a lot of adjustments to your own mental view of how you want to live. So, for example, I mean, Randall E. Six brought up the Caucasian countries. Um, The Caucasus is a very messed up place. It's a very beautiful place. It's a very uh, charming place. Uh, having been to Dagestan, I'm really impressed by it. I mean, I love Dagestan. I thought it was just an incredible, wonderful uh, place with just astonishing people. But if you look at the history of the Caucasus, it's one of war and death and repression and you know tyranny and empires fighting over it. Because, of course, the Caucasus Mountains are a strategic crossroads. So if you look at Georgia or Armenia or Azerbaijan, any of these countries, you know, you're, you're dealing with some very, uh, frankly, broken cultures. Armenia, I mean, Armenia has never recovered from the Armenian genocide. Never, ever. Their culture is completely broken. And they've had another, you know, fresh set of horrors 
um, imposed upon them with the ethnic cleansing of Nagorno-Karabakh, the, uh, the Republic of Artsakh, as they call it. That's gone. And another 120,000 Armenians have been forced to leave their homes. They've had some horrific crimes committed against them by the Azeris, by the Azerbaijanians. Um, the Azeris are a Turkish people. Uh, that I believe their language is Turkic in origin. I actually am good friends with an Azerbaijani. He's a really good dude. Uh, I like him a lot, but he's a Muslim. And, you know, Muslims just have a very fundamentally different set of beliefs. And you're not going to be able to get around or past that reality. I don't recommend Azerbaijan as a place to go for looking for a wife because it's Islamic. And also because... Um, Judging by what I've heard from Russians, they don't like uh, Azerbaijanians very much. They, they don't. Uh, the people who cause, the, the migrant groups that cause the most trouble in Russia are the Tajiks, the Azerbaijan, Azerbaijanians, and the Kyrgyzstanis. Kyrgyz, not so, not so much in terms of violent crime or anything, but they're just, Russians think of Kyrgyzstanis as stupid. And I will say with good reason. Actually, if you look at the mathematics behind it, you know, the average Russian IQ is 96. The average white Russian IQ is almost certainly 100 plus. Uh, but the average Kyrgyz IQ is like 79, 80. That's a 20 IQ point difference. I mean, it's enormous on average. So you're dealing with people who just speak fundamentally different languages almost. Uh, not, you know, going beyond the, 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 the Russian-Kyrgyz ling linguistic divide, you're talking about people who literally don't think the same way. Again, I'm not trying to put down the Kyrgyzstanis. I like them. I've spent some time with a few of them, and they're, they're good people. They, they really are. Uh, I have nothing against them. But Kyrgyzstan is not a very well-developed country. I mean, the biggest city, Bishkek, is, you know... It's a third world city. It's a clean third world city, but it's a third world city. Uh, and it's a very, very polluted place as well. And if you move to Kyrgyzstan, you're going to have to deal with the reality that the infrastructure there is crap. It's, it's awful. Uh, if you move to Kazakhstan, you're going to have to deal with, uh, again, a population that the rest of Russia considers to be not very intelligent. And the Kazakhs have a major issue with Resurgent ultranationalism. Now, when I say ultranationalism, I'm talking about like people who hate other people's cultures and nations. A national, I am a nationalist. Okay. I like the idea of nations. I don't particularly hate any other nation. I don't believe nations should be exterminated just because they are different from my own. I don't even really have a nation. So, you know, I can't, can't comment, but I have no problem with nations existing within their peoples, their borders. I mean, that's why, you know, I am in the sense that Israel is a nation. I am pro-Israeli. Um, I have no problem saying that. I don't agree with what Israel is doing right now at all, but I am pro-Israeli. Uh, just as I am pro-Russian, just as I am pro-British or English, just as I am pro-American, etc., being a nationalist is a good thing. Being an ultra-nationalist is a very bad thing because it means you wish harm and death upon other people who aren't like you. And the Kazakhs have a serious problem with rising ultra-nationalism. Uh, they have a really bad inferiority complex. So avoid that. 
Georgia might be a good idea. I don't know. I haven't been there in a long time. Oh, well, I've never been there, actually. Uh, it's on my bucket list of countries to visit. But, you know, if, if you want to go to Georgia, you can get a digital nomad visa to go there for a year. It's really easy. And Tbilisi is supposed to be one of the most beautiful cities anywhere. So, you know, go check it out. North Africa, never been. Uh, I would say the the North African peoples are sort of more civilized than, yeah, your sub-Saharan Africans, for sure. But, you know, up and down. I mean, I've heard not very good things about Morocco. Maybe it's okay. I don't know. I've never been there. I personally would just avoid all of Africa, pretty much, except uh, maybe the Afrikaner communities of South Africa and Namibia and what used to be Rhodesia is now Zimbabwe, which is a completely screwed up country. Um, but those people got the message. I mean, they moved out long ago. They said, yeah, we're, we're, we're done. Uh, 15,000, I think, Boer farmers moved from South Africa to Russia, where the Russians happily gave them land in you know, underdeveloped Siberia and said, yeah, you, you're, you're Russian now. Or at least you have land in Russia, go work it and produce crops for us. And they turn out to be absolutely amazing farmers. Uh, Russia is the arc of civilization today. And that's the reality of things. Now, on this subject of kind of whether the Russian and Chinese vaccines are less harmful than the Western equivalents, as far as I can tell, yes, that's true. Uh, the data, insofar as we have it, are very sketchy, and it's very hard to tell fact from fiction. But the Chinese... Okay, if, you, if you're thinking about going to China looking for a wife, don't. I, I, I can't stress this enough. The Chinese culture is unique and independent, and the way that Chinese women think is very similar to the way that a lot of Southeast Asian women think and East Asian women think. To them, if you marry a Chinese woman, you marry her family. And if you don't like that, tough. That's the reality of things. If, they're, if, you, if you get your wife a green card, then you're going to get her, the rest of her family green cards as well. Doesn't matter whether you want to or not, that's what's going to happen. Uh, also, Chinese women who marry foreigners are widely considered to be failures in their own culture, so they don't do it. A Chinese woman will marry a Chinese man. End of. That's the way it's supposed to happen. If it doesn't happen like that, then there's clearly something wrong with the woman. That's their philosophy. That's their take on life. Doesn't matter whether you like it or not, that's the way they think. And that's true of a lot of Asian cultures. Not all of them, but a lot of them. So... Don't go to China thinking it's going to be an easy ride. It's not. Uh, go look up uh, Serpent, Winston Sturzel's channel. He's a South Af He's a white South African who went to China, fell in love with the place, uh, wanted to live there, found a way to live in China, speaks fluent Chinese, speaks fluent Mandarin, actually, uh, met and married a Chinese woman, has, I think, two kids with her. But his wife was already married. She, she was married and divorced from a man that she didn't particularly like. And because she was divorced and therefore had kind of disappointed her family and had more or less broken with her own family, she was fine with dating and marrying a Western man. And she's a very attractive woman. I mean, there's, there, there are videos of uh, him and his wife, and she's a, she's a lovely lady. But, um, you know, from, 
by the standards of her culture, I'm not saying anything about her personally, I'm saying by the standards of her culture, she is not a desirable package. Personally, I think that's crazy, but, you know, that, that's me. I mean, the way the Chinese think is the way they think. So, if you're going to go to China, it's going to be a very hard road. And this really brings me back kind of full circle to the thing that started off all of this, which is dating outside of your own culture. Again, gentlemen, don't do it unless you really have no other choice. Because if you're going to do it, you have to understand you're going to go through a lot of very traumatic changes. It's going to be very difficult for you. A lot of guys go out there to the the glorious East thinking, wow, there are so many beautiful, feminine, kind, loving, caring women. Yeah, that's true. There are. And they act much more like women than the land whales and harpies you find in the West, the ones who take satisfaction from their jobs rather than from being uh, feminine women. But understand, to have a woman like that, you need to be a man yourself. And it's very difficult. It, It really is. It's really hard to break yourself down and rebuild yourself into something like that. Uh, and by being a man, I don't mean, you know, the big macho strongman types or anything like that. No, it's, it's not about that. It's about having those masculine values of strength, honor, courage, and mastery of knowing how to be strong while being gentle, of owning something, not in the sense of being a master to a slave. That's wrong of owning something in the sense of positive ownership, where when you own something, you want to see it flourish and thrive, and you want it to be, because it's part of you, it's it's something you take care of, it's something you want to, to, to grow to, the, to its maximum potential. And that's a very difficult mental shift for a lot of men to make. A lot of Western men grow up with, I think, a very incorrect idea of masculinity or a very incomplete one, I would say. They don't know how to be strong while being gentle. And it's a very difficult line to walk. It's also not really a function of mathematics in the sense of statistics. I think if you're looking for a criterion to test by... It's not so much, you know, don't let yourself be fooled by the statistics because the, t- the statistics only apply to broad generalizations of populations. Uh, if, if, if finding a not-vaxxed woman is your primary concern, a good litmus test is to ask, you know, what she did during the great scamdemic. Did she obey what the government said? Does she look trustfully upon what the government says now. Uh, Does she follow the advice of of her family no matter what, or does she think for herself? If If you find someone who thinks for herself and has her own opinions, uh, isn't shy to kind of say what she thinks about the government, is loyal to her family, but isn't uh, fearful of her family, 
that's a pretty good indication you've got someone who didn't take the vax. It's not a guarantee, but it's a good indication. And other, other good indications would be her profession. I mean, if she was a teacher or a nurse, well, you're SOL. I mean, it's almost as certain as she took the vax. Um, but if she, if she was doing something else at the time, uh, poke and prod and, and see if she was in some sort of like white collar job or doing something that didn't necessarily require her to be in the office so she didn't get vaxxed. Uh, if she didn't travel a lot, she almost certainly wasn't vaxxed. The ones who did travel almost certainly were vaxxed. So there are tests you can apply, but they have to be very common sense, sensible tests designed to poke and prod at a woman's uh, preferences and at, at her state of mind. If you find someone who generally thinks for herself and generally uh, is not trusting of authority, you're probably dealing with a sensible character and take it forward from there. As for where you can do that, well, yeah, I, would, I personally would still say uh, Eastern Europe. But don't just limit yourself to Russia. I mean, there are other countries as well. Bulgaria, to some extent. Romania, definitely. Uh, Hungary, well, not really. Hungary got hit pretty hard with the coup. Poland, yeah, maybe. Although Poland is a pretty strange society these days. Uh, some of the Central Eastern European countries, I mean... There are lots of places which we haven't even talked about, you know, Andorra, Montenegro, Croatia, Slovenia, Slovakia, etc., etc. Uh, avoid Albania. Uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to go to Albania. I mean, apparently, it's a gorgeous country, like the, an absolutely astonishing place. But uh, again, Muslim countries, so be careful. Uh, Serbia. Oh yeah, uh, I, I will say Serbia is, uh, I would say, uh, a great place to visit. I so. I personally highly recommend Serbia. I went there. I loved it. Um, although Belgrade is really depressing in winter, so don't go in winter, but go sort of around spring to autumn time. But the Serbians strike me as a very sensible people. They're, you know, Slavic origin, uh, generally pretty strong Orthodox Christians. Unfortunately, too many of them like to smoke. I, I find that disgusting. But very close to Russians in mindset and attitude, but much easier to get along with in many ways. And the standard of spoken English in Belgrade is astonishing. I was amazed at how well people spoke English. So if it were up to me, you know, that's where I would start. Uh, Serbia is a pretty nice place to be if you don't go in winter. If you go any other time of the year, you know, it's worth exploring. But Apply some of these litmus tests that I've uh, mentioned and don't be afraid to ultimately ask a woman what her vaccine status is. If, if she says, yeah, I got vaccinated, next, bye-bye. Uh, but there are areas of the world I would avoid. I mean, much of Asia is out just because it's impossible to live there. It's difficult to get visas. It's, you wouldn't want to be in that culture. It's not pleasant to bring people over. But understand that if you're going to make this trip in search of a wife, there are a limited range of places you can go. I mean, there's Eastern Europe, there's Central Europe, uh, but also keep in mind 
The same litmus tests that you apply in those countries work just fine here in the West. I think part of the problem is we as men let ourselves get psyched out by what we see around us. And we don't have the courage to just strike out and ask. We don't have the courage to just make it clear what our preferences are and stand by them. And one thing I've discovered from the last 10 years, and it's been more than 10 years, almost 11 of blogging, is that I'm not the only lunatic in the room. I thought when I started out this site and I started writing that I would be completely alone and isolated, that no one would ever listen to me. It was just, you know, I I literally started Didact's Reach, the old Blogspot site, just to stop myself from going crazy because I had these opinions that I couldn't express in polite society. I couldn't say these things. And it, it nearly drove me insane. And I needed a place to vent. And this, the website became my, my avenue of expression. And I thought I would never find anyone who agreed with me. But I did. I found a whole community of people, actually, who agree with me and who support me and who read my work and are keen to understand, get my point of view. So when you have something like that as your support system, it's pretty astonishing. And you're going to find that if you ask the right questions of people, you'll get further than you might otherwise have thought. So don't be afraid to ask those questions. Don't be afraid to go to a place like Greece or Spain, where they tend to be pretty skeptical of government authority, and just ask the questions. I mean, yeah, Spain was really stupid. Uh, we were there in uh, uh, 2021, October, actually around this time, uh, middle of October 2021. And they were still saying, mascarilla, por favor, mascarilla, por favor. It's like, yeah, piss off, you know. Um, they insisted on people wearing masks indoors, which is just dumb. You had to wear a mask on the, the, the train between uh, Barcelona and Valencia, which was just retarded. Anyway, uh, rant for another time. But don't be afraid to ask these questions. And you're going to find, if you go to places like uh, Cyprus or Greece or some of the smaller islands in Greece or Spain or parts of Italy, people aren't interested in tolerating this government nonsense anymore. They're not interested in the WHO agenda. You might find in, in local communities in the United States uh, a willingness and a desire to revert to traditionalist roots. And a lack, a total lack of interest in the the coof and the the convid narrative. I'm seeing it where I am. I'm seeing people coming together and saying, you know what? I didn't believe the narrative when I was there. And you find these people in the most unexpected of places. It's like it's it's uncomfortable to talk about, but the moment somebody brings it up, oh, all of a sudden, you get it with both barrels. And you're going to find that as we go through time we are actually the majority. Those of us who rejected the coof scare are the majority. And the ones who fell for it are increasingly feeling like complete suckers. I've seen this myself. I've seen it in my own interactions with people. So don't be afraid to go out there and ask these questions. Anyway, it's a very long uh, answer to a very long rambling set of questions. I mean, I'm not, again, like I said, I'm not even sure there was a question. But 
if you're look if you're going out there looking for a wife as a man understand number one you're going to put yourself way out of your comfort zone you're going to have to move to the country you're looking at number two you're going to have to abandon everything that made you who you are in a lot of ways and it's terrifying and not easy number three you're going to have to look in very specific places and uh, there is a restricted range of options for most men number four if you're looking for someone who's not vaccinated, you have to ask the right questions. It's not just a matter of going to a country that had a low vaccination rate. It's also about asking those questions and asking them the right way. And number five, if you ask those questions in those countries, what's stopping you from asking them here at home in your country? What's stopping you from finding people in your own social circle who are like of a like mind? and who aren't interested in the, in the nonsense anymore. What's stopping you from going out and finding other purebloods who don't want this government narrative, who don't want this pod people lifestyle? What's stopping you? So go out and find them. It's not that hard, actually. Just take the risk and see what, what comes of it. That's, that's all I can tell you. Anyway, uh, it's been quite a while, so I need to wrap this up. Uh, thank you very much, as always, for listening. Uh, please feel free to uh, drop a like. Uh, remember to like, share, comment, and subscribe. Uh, check on the links in the description box, and I will catch you on the next one. This has been uh, Domain Query, uh, Wife Hunting Post-Plandemic, and I am Didact, Strength and Honor Brothers, signing out.